the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into The Scoop, the premier UNC football recruiting podcast. Brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. As always, a part of the Inside Carolina Podcast Network. I'm joined, as always, by Don Dining Scoops Callahan. What's going on, Don? Not too much. I have breaking news. Okay. That you don't even know about. Okay. Here we All go. right. So I set Inside Carolina history a few few weekends ago. The weekend prior to when we were supposed to record, and we decided to uh, delay it a couple weeks. I became the first Inside Carolina employee to have a meal at Buck Sanders' house. Wow. Holy moly, how'd that go? Really well. Buck, uh, Buck actually cooked cooked um, our steaks, and my wife came with me. Um, and Mrs. Buck, she, of course, was very hospitable with uh, a salad spread um, <laughs> as far like a salad bar sort of set up, and then also kind of like a bar sort of set up for our, our uh, baked potatoes. It was very mm. delicious. Uh, um, adult beverages were involved. It was well, nice hanging out and, and conversing with uh, Buck, the almighty and powerful and intelligent Buck Sanders. Um, before, what was the occasion? How did this come about? I think it was just because I'm a really good employee. Okay. I think it's as simple as that. And I think that I'm starting to kind of see this puzzle kind of coming together of what the totem pole at Inside Carolina looks like. And I, and I feel like I'm pretty high up there. <laughs> you okay, know? What's, the, uh, what's the totem pole? Well, I, you know, just, just the importance level. You know, and I think I'm pretty high up there. And I think below me is, is unfortunately you, Ross, and, and Greg. And I think Tommy is so far below me that I don't even see him down there. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, you know. Okay. Great. Maybe so, we'll get into that more at the end. We have a huge show for you today. Um, you know, this has been, uh, it's been over four weeks, I think, since we last talked on um, a lot of basketball news. Obviously, a new head coach for basketball, then a bunch of <clears throat> recruiting stuff and, and Walker Kessler stuff. And so we kind of put the scoop on the back burner for the last time we were supposed to record. So we're catching up to you now four weeks later. We have a bunch of stuff. There hasn't been many much news, but there are some developments. The spring game is this Saturday. With that comes a lot of recruiting, even though it's still this uh, it's not really official or unofficial visits. It's just players coming to the spring game we're gonna get into all those names or at least mention some of the top names we're gonna talk about dre Bly and some of his recruiting and going after some big time defensive back targets then we're getting to the top five which is uh discussing top spring game storylines which would be a kind of a good intro and preview of the spring game for those uh wanting their football fix we'll get don's perspective on some unc team stuff but first, I want to make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Inside Carolina podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, there's a bunch of other ones. Give us a rating, a five-star rating. Give us a little review. 
hopefully good. And then hit subscribe. That really helps us uh, provide these podcasts for you. Helps the algorithm and uh, helps us bring these podcasts to you. And remember, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We'll get into the more of that later. All right, Don, you want to talk about the spring game visitors. You dropped a scoop. Believe on Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. Um, the scoop, your weekly scoop, provided uh, a list of all the names that you know that are coming to the spring game. Spring game kicks off uh, 3 p.m. in Keen Stadium on Saturday. Um, let's get into it. Kind of who are the headliners that are coming to Carolina and, and get into what that means and the status of their recruitments. Yeah, so as you mentioned, there is – I mean, I counted over two dozen recruits who UNC has actually offered – are have told me personally, or some source has told me, most of them have told me personally that they intend on being in Keenan Stadium on Saturday. And then it was also, I, I haven't counted up the list, but we're talking about probably about over 50 guys. The majority mm-hmm. of them have offers somewhere um, who are going to be in Keenan Stadium. So this is, this is huge. I mean, I know that anything seems big because we haven't had any real recruiting events in a very long time. But I feel like even during a non-pandemic time, this is one of the bigger lists. The only thing that kind of matches it is maybe a Showtime camp or the uh, Fedora's Freak Show camp that happened, obviously, before uh, Mac Brown became um, coach. But And so they can't have any reaction, just to be clear. They can't have any reaction with the staff or anything. They're just going essentially going to the game and visiting Chapel Hill, correct? Exactly. Exactly. It's actually very strict. I'm sure there's going to be compliance down there to make sure none of this happens. But uh, you can't even, while they're on UNC's campus, and I think actually when they're en route, but I'm not sure about that part, but while they're on campus, they can't call a coach. If they call a coach, a coach can't answer their phone calls. Now, if Just they're home. They're on campus. Yeah, when they're on campus, because it's a dead period. And it, everybody's like, oh, this is, this is stupid. Why are they doing this? Yada, yada. But I think what they're trying to do, the NCAA, is trying to keep the dead period actually dead, which right now isn't that big of a deal because no one has taken any visits. But – in you know in Christmas time and in in July when the coaches on vacation they're trying to ease the load on those guys, um, and so this is just to kind of keep it the dead pure pure basically. But uh, as you mentioned in the weekly scoop, we did a little preview. We I pulled out I don't know half dozen or so of the bigger storylines from the um, from the expected visitors and highlighted their situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And so you can see all of that. You can see the complete list that we've confirmed. And, you know, I'm adding names as I confirm them heading up to. I don't expect to add too many names, maybe a name here or there um, heading into Saturday. But, you know, what, the biggest name, obviously, is the second best athlete to come out of Grimsley High School, Travis <laughs> Shaw, a five-star defensive tackle. Do you know who the first best athlete, number one best athlete to come out of Grimsley High School is? Uh, the Red Snapper. <laughs> Who's the red snapper? <laughs> he's the athletic director there. He played at Carolina. Ah. Um, I forget. He's a who. swimmer. Oh, is that me? That's you. Yeah, I was far from early death. Ethan Albright's a red snapper. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah so big guy, red hair. He was a long, he was a tight end offensive lineman at UNC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a long yeah. snapper in the NFL. He's defensive coordinator at, uh, he's sorry, he's the athletic director at Grimsley. Um, after playing the NFL for like 16 years. Yes, yes. I am well aware, and I just had a brain fart, I guess, because I actually talked to him because UNC recruited his son a little yeah. bit. His yeah. son ended up at, uh, I think, Northwestern. Yeah. yeah. Great. Ethan Albert's a great guy. Yes, yes. Very, very, very helpful. Um, yeah. So, uh, Travis Shaw, big, big time to get him on campus. You know, I don't think his 
recruitment is going to move much from yeah. this visit. I think we're going to see much more movement with him during the summer and even into the fall when he's taking visits to all these different schools. I don't even think that we know exactly what the true competition, we know Clemson's going to be the competition. North Carolina obviously is going to be a strong player in this recruitment, but we don't know who else is, is going to going to emerge as a, as a contender. And we won't know that until he starts taking some visits, but it's good that prior to the opening of the recruit of the recruiting calendar that Travis Shaw makes yet another visit to Chapel Hill. Yeah. And if you read in the scoop, uh, you can get with a premium subscription inside Carolina it kind of breaks down a little bit of his recruitment, how he's focused on his high school um, playoffs right now. And, you know, he's going to take official visits later in the summer and fall Clemson, Carolina, clearly the, um, you know, I guess the leaders right now for the six foot five, 310 pound defensive tackle from Grimsley. Um, is this a situation where he takes official visits in the summer or in the fall, or is there any timeline kind of set now? This, there this is the biggest guy. I mean, this is the biggest recruit for this class, obviously. Yes. So, and, I mean, it's so, a big focus for this podcast moving forward. Yes. Yeah. So he, all, all these schools are going to wait for him, even Clemson, who, who, historically does not wait for many recruits. They're going to wait it out for him. And I guess he gets a sense that that's the case because there's definitely no urgency in, in his plans. So maybe he takes some official visits during the summer, but I would not be shocked to see him wait until the fall and after the season to take his official visits and, and make a decision on national sign day in February. I and mean, that's just his sort of mentality, but obviously he will take some sort of visits in the summer, my guess, and this is just you know, talking to his coach, but talking to him, but no one seems to have like a, a firm grip on a grip on a plan. But my guess is he'll take a bunch of unofficial visits in the summer, get a better idea of who he wants to officially visit and take those visits in the seat during the season. Damn, it's supposed to be a, a long wait to figure out where Shaw goes. This guy is massive. I mean, yes. I have buddies who go, I have one good friend who is involved at page um, athletics. So he goes to games and it's kind of inside with the, you know, Greensboro High School deal. I mean, he is so big. He's he's very athletic for his size. I mean, this is a, an elite, elite defensive tackle who's a game-changing recruit, I think, for for anyone who gets him. Yeah, I mean, he's probably the best best prospect since um, Dexter Lawrence came out of North Carolina, who ended up going to Clemson also. Yeah. All right. What are some more names? Uh, we'll kind of breeze yeah, through so, the next couple of names that are coming to the spring game. This yeah, Saturday. I mean, the, the the incredible thing is, is if you actually look at Inside Carolina's recruiting board, so many of those names are, are visiting. And that includes, as of right now, three of UNC's four outstanding running back offers plan to visit. The lone one who hasn't who who hasn't confirmed attendance is Damari Alston. And he's kind of figuring out the the uh, transportation situation and if he can figure it out he also will visit but um you know the, the three who will definitely be there who have told me who plan on being there Amarion hampton george petaway and michael allen all three are four-star running backs two hampton and allen are in-state guys and george petaway is essentially an in-state guy because he's from uh, the tidewater area which which north carolina has uh, had a lot of success in um the last couple of classes are these the top three targets for unc at running back these well these three plus alston are the are, are the four that unc okay. has offered okay do you think anybody commits this weekend i don't okay and and because there's I not any interaction with the staff yeah right? so i i just don't know how that happens yeah. 
I mean, the I guess the only scenario is if someone goes and just absolutely falls in love and then, you know, goes back home and then Sunday gives a phone call to the coaches and say, hey, I've seen enough. I just don't I don't know if anyone does that. And then you also have the the recruiting calendar opening up on the horizon. So you might as well kind of, you know, take your, your officials and take additional visits to other places. But I just, without the interaction, I mean, you're, they're literally just going to a game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? Um, these spots are going to fill up, though. That's interesting to see when things start popping. It's going to start popping because there's going to be less. Is it still kind of a path where they're going to be able to not take as many people just because of the scholarship situation? Yeah, I have not received any information to tell me that they, that the, cla- they, they, that they expect the class to be any bigger than what we were initially told. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's – it's not going to get smaller. Let's say that I, I could see it being a little bit bigger than what they initially anticipated, but I think they're going to be careful unless they get some sort of word from the NCAA that things are going to, um, that they're going to give some sort of um, relief for future rosters for, with the scholarship stuff, which we got into a couple podcasts ago. And I just, if the, I don't think the NCAA is going to do that. And if they do, they're not going to do that anytime soon. I mean, we, we they, they drive their feet with everything and, and they don't come out with information until the very last minute. So I just don't think they're going to have the information in time to, to do anything. Okay. Who are some other names that are going to be there? The, the two other, the, the last two names that I wanted to mention. And again, we highlighted a bunch of different names and, and went in depth on their recruitments and just what sort of impact this, uh, this spring game visit will have on some guys. And there's some other ones that, that we haven't mentioned that, that are impactful for this class, but the two other ones I wanted to mention, and the, they have the same position. They both are four-star guys. One has visited North Carolina bunch, which is Shalik Knotts. The other one has not visited North Carolina or any school outside of his home state of Virginia in Andre green. Mm-hmm. Um, so for different, obviously different situations, green, this is going to be, his first uh, UNC's first chance to uh, to impress him, and I think this will help kind of set the stage a little bit for his recruitment. He has probably the most open recruitment that you'll find for a blue chip kid in the nation. He's just completely wide open, hasn't taken any visits. He's a high academic kid, spends a lot of time on his academics. He goes to a very academically competitive school in St. Christopher's in, in Richmond. Uh, he also plays multiple sports. Uh, always training, very, very busy kid, definitely talks to the coaches, does the, the virtual visit stuff and all of that, but just does not have a, a grasp on his recruitment. So this is, this is a great opportunity for North Carolina to kind of make a, a good first impression with its game day atmosphere. The, the other guy, Shalik Knotts, another four-star wide receiver from mm-hmm. Monroe, um, at, which is just outside of Charlotte. The actual game for me, and I highlighted this in, in the preview, I don't think it's going to make that much of an impact because he's been in North Carolina countless times. I think what's going to be key is I, he has a bunch of friends on UNC's roster. So, and I'm making a little bit of a, um, I guess an assumption here. I'm assuming that, Hey, you're in Chapel Hill. You're going to go hit up your, your cousin, Gavin Blackwell. You're going to go spend some time with Drake may who, you know, really well from your days at the Carolina stars. And you're going to hang out with a bunch of those other Charlotte area guys that you've trained with, that you played with, with the Carolina stars, you know, following the spring game, maybe you spend the night with, with mm-hmm. one of those guys in their dorm, which, which I believe is, I believe is legal. You um, should be able to just visit a friend, right? Like any other I think friend. So. I mean, I think it's, so. it's no different than like a random person visiting their friend. I think so, but I don't know if I'm it's definitely with, not an expert on the NCAA rules. Yeah. So I don't want to say, 
um, definitively. But yeah, so my expectations are that he stays on campus and hangs out with his buddies, and that's only going to help North Carolina's chances with him. For no sure, other yeah. school can can provide that for him when he visits. He's definitely interested in a bunch of other schools like Penn State. He's mentioned Tennessee. He has an official visit set up with Maryland, but none of the schools can march out a bunch of you know his close friends. Yeah, I mean, if you're freaking Maryland compared to UNC, that's just especially if you're. That from, was one of the more surprising. Yeah, things odd. because well, I think the thing with him, he's probably going to wait until his his season to take officials. And for Maryland, you just want to lock in a spot and get him in as soon as possible. That's your only shot because if you wait until he starts actually taking official visits, yeah, you're not going to get one of those seats. Skill not so. If, if you haven't listened to our breakdown of the top 10 targets Don put together, it's a podcast, gosh, maybe three or four podcasts ago, go through the feed. It gives you a great perspective on UNC's top 10 targets, remaining targets in the 2022 class. I would recommend going back and listening to that if you're, you're big into UNC football recruiting because it gives you a profile of all these guys we're talking about, Travis Shaw, Shaquille Knotts, um, these running backs that he mentioned, Don just mentioned, Petaway, Maron Hampton, Andre Green, wide receiver. So make sure to go back and listen to that. Uh, Shaquille Knotts is um, highly ranked kid, 87 overall, number 11 wide receiver from the state of North Carolina. And as Don mentioned, very close with a lot of uh, UNC's current players. Okay, is that all you're going to give us on the visitor side, yeah, Don? Yeah, I mean – that's probably more than what I should have, to be yeah. honest. So yeah, check um, out the scoop. I mean, guys, if you're not subscribed to South Carolina, and I, I imagine a lot of people listening are, it's just unbelievable what you get out of it. Um, just from a uh, recruiting perspective from Don and then the team stuff that Greg and I provide, there's a uh, question, a and a for both of us, Don, Greg, and I on the message board. Um, and just I just all- answered a bunch of questions while I was uh, waiting for Ross to get on here. There you go. And you get, you know, all these different profiles and recruiting. And then when these recruitments kind of intensify, you get tons of scoop, um, especially when things open up with visits. I mean, you got all the updates coming in. And if you're not on the board, you kind of miss that. The um, the board is where it goes down with kind of the intel. Um, what's so funny? The, uh, just the message board with the uh, posters. Dude, it's been great. Yeah. I mean, it's been crazy, especially with basketball. Uh, the power of IC really flexed during this basketball um, <laughs> coaching search and recruiting stuff. All right, guys, we that wraps up the spring game kind of talk in terms of the recruiting side of it. Um, we're going to talk about giant t-shirt here in a bit, and we get back. We're going to talk about Dre Bly, two targets he's recruiting heavily for UNC, some elite cornerbacks. Then we're going to get into some spring game storylines and introduce the new top five. First one talking about Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com, your one-stop shop for everything UNC apparel related, right on Franklin Street and online at JohnnyT-shirt.com. It's a local, locally owned, alumni owned place with all the gear you need. You got baseball jerseys, hats, shirts, long sleeves, water bottles. I'm on the website right now checking it out. Always have sales, always trying to move gear. Um, go to Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street or giantteacher.com. Use the 10% off discount code that inside Carolina subscribers get to get 10% off your entire purchase. We've got Mother's Day coming up. We've got birthdays. We've got a lot of holidays in the summer, kind of the casual holidays coming up in the summer. Go to Giant T-shirt and get your gear. It's great for little gifts, for nieces and nephews, for your kids, for your parents. Johnny T-shirt, giantteacher.com. 
you supporting them really helps us do this podcast and uh, helps us get this information out to you. We're going to let national little national ads come into play here. We'll be right back with some more scoop talk. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. Okay, we're back, Don. What's going on, man? Not much. Hey, what did you miss uh, most about not doing the podcast over the last four weeks? Just uh, your candor, you know? I mean, I, can, I know that you're, you're always going to give it to me straight, and uh, I missed hearing about your girl trouble, troubles. <laughs> yeah. We're not allowed to talk about that, though. Girl troubles. We'll <laughs> see about that. Um, okay. Can't get off the topic too much. All right. So Dave's we- get restless. All right. So let's go Dre Bly. All right. So you sent me these two names, and I definitely read the articles uh, when they were posted about <laughs> Dalen Everett and Jaden Lucas. Mm-hmm. Let's start with um, let's start with the one that's posted. Uh, go ahead. Which one do you want to start with? Yeah, let's let's talk talk about the one that we posted a week ago. Okay. Um, Everett. Yeah, Everett. Okay, um, so hang on, let me break him down real quick. Dalen Everett is a um, he plays at IMG Academy. He's from Norfolk, Virginia. He is a bring his profile right now. I apologize for the delay. Number forty in the nation, number seven cornerback. He's playing high school ball in Florida, but he's from the Norfolk, Virginia area. You look at his profile picture, dude looks ready to go uh six foot 180 pounds this is an elite recruit this is a high high four star all the big offers alabama florida state clemson georgia north carolina to just name a few what's going on with him and what's going on with him and dre Bly? yeah first i want to give a shout out to steve wilfong they actually steve and a couple other 24 7 sports guys they went down to img's i don't know if it was a spring game or just some some practices or whatever and had some really good tidbits and kind of reconfirmed what uh, we posted a week ago. Uh, but it also confirmed to me just some stuff I was hearing about uh, Everett as far as just how focused this kid is, both in the classroom and on the, the football field. Just, just a kid who just has his eye on the prize and, and is doing everything necessary to reach those, those prize, that prize. Uh, and, and also, he's, he's a four-star guy. But he's the number 40 in the nation, which means he's only what eight spots away mm-hmm. from being a five star. So this is a, a I think it does him a, a disjustice to or injustice to um, just say a four star guy, because, I mean, this is a this is a borderline five star guy who could bump into a five star um, at any point just because of his talent level. But mm-hmm. as far as North Carolina is concerned, 
he actually, and we, this is all in the story, he attended Clemson's spring game, I guess it was earlier this month, and while he's heading home, and he's heading to his actual home, not IMG, he, him and his father, they drive right along Interstate 40, and they see the signs for Chapel Hill, and they say, hey, might as well, we have some extra time, let's drive around a little bit, let's give our good friend Tony Grimes a call and see what he's up to. And Tony, of course, obliged and uh, was kind of like a tour guide a little bit, showed him some of the hot spots, that sort of thing. And then they went home. They didn't spend a whole lot of time on campus, but I think it's significant to kind of the fact that they wanted to get a grasp on things. He's basically down to four schools, Clem- uh, Clemson, Georgia, North Carolina, and I can't remember the fifth school, if it was Ohio State or whoever it was. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people think Clemson. I think North Carolina is a good shot here. Um, I think Dre Bly has done a tremendous job with connecting with both uh, Dalen and his father. And I think he's, he's put North Carolina in a great spot to, to eventually end this commitment. He's another one of those guys. He's going to take his official visits in June right. and then make a decision shortly thereafter. He does not want to take his recruitment into the summer. And that's something that IMG kind of pushes their kids. doesn't require, but pushes their kids to get, their recruitment done before the season so they could just focus on the season because they're they're after like national championship sort of stuff at IMG. Interesting. So, I mean, and UNC already has one cornerback committed. Taewon Holloway, ta- yep. And we're talking about two cornerbacks um, with, with um, Dalen Everett and Jaden Lucas. Lucas. So how many are they going to take? Two? Well, the, the, the position objective is two. Okay. But – you're not turning away, Jade. I mean, these are like if both want to come. They're come, both coming. Yeah, I mean, these are like the elite of the elite. These are yeah. these are you know, Jaden Lucas, which we'll talk about in a second, is a is a five star guy. As I mentioned, mm-hmm. Everett is just below a five star. So I mean, these are elite elite guys, and you try to figure things out. But yeah, it gets a it does it does seem like it will project to get a little messy with them. For sure, and Clemson's like leading for both these guys here. Um, what was I going to say? Um, I'm not sure what I was going to take that one. I mean, so you think they're – we'll get into the Lucas in a bit, but with Everett, you think UNC is pretty securely in his top group now? Yeah, I think North Carolina is definitely securely in. I think they, they have a real chance to potentially pull up the up, upset just because, I mean, it, you know, where this kid's from. Yeah, and exactly. And the fact that, you know, his father um, knows Dre Bly really well. I think uh, his father played football himself in the area – uh, I believe it was like maybe maybe after Dre. And so you know how that those things are. I mean, Dre was the guy coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. So knows Dre and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I think North Carolina is a great shot. Do you, th- when, when these kids go to IMG, like how much does that cost to go down there? Or is it scholarship you know, based or what? I, I don't know the answer. I would love to kind of look into that. The thing is, is that really, if you look at it, North Carolina hasn't had a whole lot of success yeah. with IMG guys. This is the, the one that really UNC has like a legit shot. A lot of times, and even in this situation, a lot of times UNC might have a good shot at a kid and then he goes to IMG and it's not IMG doesn't like North Carolina or anything like that, but it's just a completely different situation and environment. And UNC just seems to kind of lose ground. And that initially happened in this recruitment. And Dalen kind of admitted to that, that, you know, he liked North Carolina, was interested in North Carolina. He left to go to IMG and then North Carolina just fell off. Uh, And it took Dre kind of getting things back on the tracks. And this only 
happened a month or two ago um, for North Carolina to get really back into this race. I wonder when you're down there, I mean, obviously you're closer to a lot of the Florida schools, you're closer to a lot of the SEC schools, but also there's probably coaching staffs in college that have good relationships with the coaches yeah. at IMG. And if you're in with one of those coaches, you have a huge head, head up because it's such a collection of talent in one place where you got to be close to those coaching staffs and those, that program to really get in. Um, I think UNC had a basketball player who played there for one season. Well, I think the thing too is that it's, it's, it's really outside of North Carolina's recruiting footprint. Yeah. Have you been down there? Not down to IMG, but I mean, I've been to Florida. I've, I haven't been to Bradenton <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. Have you been down there? I haven't been to, I've not been to IMG. I've been to Florida. Yeah. We're talking about going on vacation in Florida, potentially. Yeah, that's where you always go. We went last year, but that was like to see my father-in-law lives down in Daytona beach, but, but we're considering actually doing like a vacation by ourselves, maybe keys, maybe Miami, but we're also talking about some other areas too, but Florida is definitely on the table. Oh, so Bra- IMG is down South of Tampa by long boat key. And Siesta Key, it's on the water pretty much. I mean, it's down there yeah. right close to the water. Man, Florida's yeah, I, crazy. I was down in Florida a couple weeks ago. Really? Where at? Uh, Delray Beach, which is north of Fort Lauderdale. Wow. That was, did, you, did you drive down there or fly? Flew down, drove back. Oh, why'd you do that? Complicated love story. <laughs> I love complicated love stories. No, nah, I flew oh. down and, uh, and we drove someone's car back. Gotcha. Okay. Um, dude, far as crazy though, it's like, I mean, if you want to get into it here on the podcast, let's, the weather's unbelievable. The weather's unbelievable, especially in the spring and fall, I imagine. I feel like it's a little too hot and humid for me, but in, in the me. summer, but I mean, you're talking about February, March, April, May. It's, well, it's unbelievable. It's so sunny. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely sunny, but I remember going down there for William Barnes and I'm in Edmund Tillis's, yeah. um, announcement and then the next day after signing day i met back up with them and we filmed a video interview mm-hmm. sort of thing and i was sweating like crazy yeah and i mean it's certainly hot but then you get that up here too in july august september up here it's it's well this like, is february yeah. i'm not a big fan of i'm not a big fan of um of sweating <laughs> <laughs> i think you get used to it too if you like live down there you get used to it i mean would you rather be yes. and this is a great question for everybody would you rather be really hot or really cold i'm i am definitely in favor of being really cold (laughs) i am like right now the past week has been awesome because i've been leaving my windows open and everything i wake up in the middle of the night and it's like freezing i run to the bathroom and i can't wait to run back to my bed i love that (laughs) underneath the sheets do do what get underneath the sheets in your bed oh i thought you said something else um (laughs) yes get underneath the sheets to get warm yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, what, what's crazy about Florida, I mean, it's becoming the Florida podcast. There's so much water. I mean, the whole state is bordered by water. Yeah. It's a peninsula. That's right. Very and good. <laughs> it's just, there's, and, and there's just, I mean, I think it's beautiful down there. I mean, it's also very crazy and weird. Yeah. I mean, there's it's, tons I, of weirdos and like, you got the really country part. You got the really kind of New Yorky part down in Miami. There's just a lot of different. Well, it's yeah, so Miami big too. Is, it's a long state. It's a long Miami peninsula. is, is an interesting city in itself oh yeah and, and not just miami I mean, you got all the different areas there too yeah. that are associated with like hollywood beach miami beach miami gardens it's just crazy yeah. i went down the keys once keys are beautiful. did you yeah, i've not so been tropical the keys. down there i've not been the keys it's something we're considering but we'll see 
Yeah, uh, fly to Miami, rent a car, and then drive all on the Keys, stay in one of the Keys, and go down to Key West. Key West is kind of like a big party town. It's like New Orleans, like a smaller New Orleans. Gotcha. New Orleans is what we're considering also, but. Damn, look at you, big traveling. All right, back we're only on gonna it. Go, we're only going to go to one place. It's just a matter of where. We haven't figured it out. You know where, um, you know what's crazy is like Havana, Cuba, and the Bahamas are so close to Miami too. Yeah. I mean, it's just nuts. Like you were down there, you're in the tropics. Yeah. We okay. should send you to Cuba. <laughs> I mean, I've heard Cuba's great. I mean, it's also very poor, so it depends on where you go. But yeah, I mean, I think. Are we allowed to go to Cuba though? Uh, I think um, there's some uh, more laxed restrictions now than there used to be. Gotcha. Uh, opened up a little bit more. I don't know the whole politics there. I, I would, I dare, I do not want to get into politics. We don't here. want to talk politics. So I will completely stop <laughs> regarding Cuba and American politics. And Cold War politics. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back on track here, boys and girls. Um, Move on to Jaden Lucas. Jaden Lucas. All right. Jaden Lucas, you wrote an article about him. I think it's still on the front page. Top 40 prospect. He's ranked number 36 in the nation. Number six cornerback. Number one prospect in the state of South Carolina. 6'2", which is great size for a corner. 185. What's going on with him, Don? So, his my coverage of him, I actually went to one of his workouts because he doesn't he doesn't do interviews. He doesn't like the whole recruiting process. He doesn't like to be interviewed. Super nice kid, really well-spoken. Cause usually when a kid doesn't like doing interviews, you get a kid who's super quiet, says just a couple words and that's it. He actually was really thoughtful with his responses and, and gave me a lot of really good information. The one, or there's a couple things I took out of my, my trip down there, but the one thing was, and I made the mistake of kind of falling for some of the, um, I guess, message board myths that are out there. Yeah. Uh, about Jaden Lucas in particular was that he's from this family of Clemson fans, diehard Clemson fans, yada, yada. That's, that's the, I mean, he's, he's in Malden, which is very close to Clemson, big Clemson pro Clemson area. When you drive, when you're driving through it on um, what is that? Is that 20 or 26? I always get those confused. But anyway, when you're driving along there, I mean, you see a bunch of Clemson stuff, but anyway, so when I'm coming up, um, his dad texts me, shoots me a text message because we're meeting at a, at a just this random park. And he says, well, look for my car. I have Pittsburgh Steeler sticker and a Penn State sticker on the back. So I'm like, this, this doesn't sound like a diehard Clemson fan. So when I was talking to him, the dad actually is, and this is all in my scoop, but the dad was, um, is actually from Western Pennsylvania. And there's no real Clemson influence from his family, which I think obviously is positive information for North Carolina's chances. Uh, even with all that said, I mean – this kid's visited Clemson a bunch of times and uh, you know, it's just hard to see him go anywhere, but Clemson, but taking it back to our original topic, Dre Bly is doing an unbelievable job. If UNC lands this kid, which would be an absolutely huge upset, it will be because of Dre Bly and Dre Bly's reputation, Dre Bly's relationship, that he's able to develop with Jaden and his parents. And then also Dre Bly's resume as a cornerback developer with Stefan Gilmore, who after working out with Dre Bly for a summer one, I think was the NFL defensive player of the year award with the Patriots. And then also what he did with, with Tony Grimes, turning a kid who as every TV broadcaster who has ever covered a UNC game has said, he was supposed to be a senior in high school last year, but yet was starting for North Carolina. And, and a lot of that, I mean, obviously Tony, you know, we talked about Tony a bunch in the podcast last year. I mean, Tony was as ready as, as you get, but 
um, you know, Bly helped him kind of, you know, get to where he needed to be to, yeah. to actually start. So, I mean, this is a great example of Dalen Everett and Jaden Lucas is, it shows you what a big one big recruit can kind of do to change recruiting landscape landing yeah. Tony Grimes, who was a, a top 10 kid before he reclassified just kind of announces your presence and the ability to recruit these five-star guys, recruit these elite talents. The fact that he played, had some success and is kind of slotted as a starter heading into 2021, you know, players and coaches uh, see that they know that they're informed of that by the recruiting coaches. And that kind of changes the level in which you, rec- you can recruit. And you're seeing that now with Dre Bly. Is this just a factor with Dre Bly's recruiting that he is just super active, super personable, very charismatic. Is, is that kind of what it is? He's, he's on you. He, he's, you know, you know how his personality is. He's, you know, hi- I don't know if hyper is the right word, but he's a very energetic go getter very- type guy. Well, yeah. Well, he's, he's confident, but it's not like a smooth. Yes. Smooth. Smooth is a good word because it's not like a, you know, cocky. I hate that guy because he's so confident sort of thing. You know, yeah. it's just, he is a confident, but I think one of the things you mentioned just to go back to what you just said, like a couple seconds ago, the Tony Grimes thing, it's hard to be the first one. You know what I mean? It's hard to be the, the that first five-star cornerback to commit to North Carolina. And so when Tony breaks that, that barrier, it makes it easier for guys like yeah. Jaden Lucas and then also Dalen Everett to say, Hey, you know, okay. It, it's, it's acceptable. It's okay to do sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, as far as with going back to your initial question. Yeah. I think Dre, uh, he relates to these kids. I think with Everett, it's a little bit different because Dre is such a huge name in that area. And you, you, you actually have to be in the area and be at different football events to kind of um, get a, get a feel for it to see what, what it really means. But I mean, a lot of these parents, they, like I said, with, with, with Dalen's dad, you know, they played against uh, Dre Bly or, or came up after him or knew of Dre Bly when they're growing up because it's just such a tight knit community. And it's just like a, you know, a, I guess a family thing where, you know, you play, then your son plays and then his son plays and so on and so forth. So, um, so that's where it is with that. But I think with, um, with, with Jaden, Jaden has no idea or had had no idea who Dre Bly is, which for me is kind of shocking, but it makes sense when you consider the fact that Dre Bly, when he retired, I think um, I went and looked and Jalen was like five years old. So that makes sense. Um, But it definitely, his dad is definitely like, Whoa, Dre Bly, his, his DB trainer is definitely like Dre Bly. You know, they, that name resonates. And when you're talking to him and Dre Bly can say, this is what I do. This is what I did. Look at this. Look at this. It, you know, it connects. It, there's yeah. proof in, in what, what, he's, what, what he's saying that he can do. And look, they got, the, they got Tony Grimes, the, the five-star cornerback. You know, Sam Howe was kind of that same level of recruit where you can get a, a top-notch guy. Um, he was definitely a four-star and has had great success, an elite quarterback. So you have that quarterback, cornerback, you know, defensive lineman. They got some big names last year with Keyshawn Silver and Jabari Ritzy. Travis Shaw would be that kind of that elite five-star that kind of break the seal on the pizza line. And then they got, they're going after two offensive tackles or at least one with rice that could kind of open the door on the five stars for the offensive line. Um, and I think you'll see a little bit more success with running back too, with, with, with the two NFL draft picks coming up as well. I feel like the elephant in the room with all this that we haven't truly touched on is Clemson. 
if North Carolina lands in this guys, any of these guys, it will be breaking a trend that Clemson has had for several classes where it has one. I, I need to look back. I mean, I, the last time North Carolina has beaten Clemson for, for a recruit. Cause I, I feel like it's been a long time. Did they not beat, did they not beat someone in the last class? I mean, Clemson definitely wanted Grimes, right? Yeah, I guess you could say Grimes. Um, look at this class here. I think the thing with why I would, if someone were to say they beat him for Grimes, I would not put up a huge argument. I guess why I personally would disqualify Grimes because Clemson really, really dropped the ball early on. Yeah, he, the, Clemson wasn't in the running late. At, towards the end, yeah. yeah. I mean, they weren't a factor towards the end. Yeah. And, I, and Clemson had moved on very quickly. I'm talking like Zion Patterson, they both wanted and battled it out for with last class. Will Shipley, you know, um, uh, I mean, you could say like they beat page. Alabama for Drake May. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. Keyshawn I mean, Silver it, but, but and Jamar Ritzy, Rob Rod Dilworth. Yeah. Those are all in-state guys. A little bit different there. I think what you're saying yeah, is yeah, like he, a South Carolina guy or a Virginia guy who Clemson's prioritizing that UNC comes in and swoops in and gets them. Yeah, and I'm. I don't want to talk about Alabama because that's they recruit differently. Clemson's more um, zeroed in on the recruiting, mm-hmm. and you know, so so I can see Tony Grimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a head to head battle that towards the, the very end, you know, yeah, for sure. Just a little recruiting talk here, a little recruiting and ball talk to stand on topic, talking ball, talking recruiting with Don no politics, Callahan. no politics, no talking about thirsting for women. All right, we'll move on here. Um, to the next topic, which is our top five spring game storylines. Don, let's so we this was a top five, so we took some submissions here. Looks like we got four or five. Let's go through them. I'll start with. Well, we got. Did we give our new one? Yeah, new top five is me. Top five Southern foods. Don was a little against this one. That's because he's not from the South. I'm gonna have my wife fill out mine. So I saw a um, a cool little thing the Panthers did. Carolina Panthers did with Sam Darnold. They had him try different Southern foods. And that just got me thinking, you know, what are the, what are the top five, the elite Southern foods that when people are getting Southern food, they think about this can be anything that you consider Southern food. And we'd love a little explanation of maybe why you like it so much or why you consider it your top five. Especially um, so, if it's like a family thing, like a family exactly. tradition or whatever. Yeah. There's definitely some weirder foods out there that I think different families eat. Um, yeah, I grew up in the South. My dad's from Tennessee. My grandmother's from small town, South Carolina. So I grew up on Southern food my whole life. So I definitely have good perspective on this. Um, whereas Don may, may need to. I'm mean, Don. You don't like I'm mac be and educated. cheese. You don't like. I like mac and cheese. You don't like uh, barbecue. I mean, come on. I love barbecue, but like yeah. if you're talking about stuff with vegetables and stuff. Well, you, you know. don't like vegetables in general, so it kinda... yeah. And I'm not like a big fried chicken person either. Yeah, some of these foods like mac and cheese, fried chicken, I think, kind of crosses regional bounds. Yes, boundaries. Yes, I agree. All right, let's get into it. Top five spring storylines. Um, was so mac and the... cheese is southern. I, that's I think it's included there, but I think it it it's not. Um, I don't think it. I think I'm it's... a huge. So I had never had barbecue until I moved down here, and I absolutely love barbecue. Especially, mm-hmm. I, I hate coleslaw, but I love coleslaw on um, barbecue. There you go. And I didn't even know. I took a bite out of it. I was like, "Whoa, this is heavenly." Save it for the next podcast. All right, top five spring storylines. We'll do a little conversation here because, you know, I haven't got a chance uh, too much to talk about spring football. And we'd love to hear, you know, Don's questions or takes on some of these things as well. I'm going to have a lot more questions and takes because 
All right, Noah from Korea. Uh, his storyline's backup QB. I'm not going to read everything here, but um, he thinks that's an important storyline. Interesting to see what happens at backup QB. Um, we're hoping we can control enough games that the QB2 can get some quality reps to prepare for when Hal's assumed departure after this year. Depth in the front seven is number four. Sounds like Bateman's excited for what he sees. There's definitely a lot of talent behind Gimmel and Eugene Asante. What the real elite teams have that we haven't in past years is a two deep where there's not a lot of uh, huge drop off between the starters and backups. We're getting there. When we do, UNC's defense will be elite. Number three from Noah. Was the O-line good or was Javante and Michael Carter that good? Seems like the O-line played well, but we had so much talent running back. It might have just been uh, this year. Oh, this will be more of an accurate test of the O-line. With how the young talent that should emerge are wide emerge our wide receiver our wide receiver and veteran leadership with Walston and Corrales. If the O-line can be dominant, that was a little weird phrasing. If the O-line can be dominant this year, the rest will take care of itself. So basically, is the O-line, can it be very, very good, you know, to great this year? Number two. Sophomores taking the next step. We saw uh, flashes from guys like Des Evans, Tony Grimes, and Josh Downs. Were they just flashing this year? If they were just flashing uh, this year, that would be a disappointment. I hope they, especially Grimes and Downs, can be game changers this year. So the development of sophomores in 2021. And number one, the running back rotation. Um, I'm hoping a couple guys step up and take the reins. Based on the buzz, it seems like Chandler, Ty Chandler, and Caleb Hood. But whoever it is, <clears throat> just hope a couple uh, step up so we don't have a confusing jumble of five to six guys who are pretty good, but none that can carry the load. So a running back rotation one. You want to read Dale, Don? I'll read Dale. We probably should read all of them because there's not that many. Okay. Um, Dale, number five, overall depth and talent of defense and how it will allow the mad scientists and Bateman to emerge. Number four, return of all five offensive line starters and how they'll protect Sam as he goes for the Heisman. Number three, size, talent, and youth of the D-line. Number two, staff continuity and UNC's commitment to football with new long-term okay. deals in place. A little broader, broader ideas there. Yeah. And number one, start of Sam Howe's Heisman campaign. That's an interesting storyline for sure. How does he I handle like, the pressure? Yeah, I like, uh, I like Dale's thoughts there, his there direction. Dale from Waxhall, a regular contributor. All right, Brent from uh, Gilbert, Arizona. Or is it Gilbert Brent from Arizona? I think it's Gilbert, Arizona, but hey. <laughs> All right, in no particular order, just labeled one through five. One, competition for backup QB spot. Two, running back depth chart. Three, the Coff uh, Choffrey Brown injury and wide receiver depth chart if he misses time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Four, defensive line development and depth. And five, the recruiting dead period extensions. Okay, a little recruiting line there. So is Preston, is that your brother? Do you have a brother named Preston? I do not. All right. I'm One brother. See, which is, his name's not Preston. Are you sure? No. What's his name? John. Is his middle name Preston? Nope. All right, I'm going to say Preston for you because I think it might be a brother or cousin of yours. Although we have another Greensboro guy, Locke. So I'll do Locke. Uh, number five, which young D-line player is going to earn playing time? Again, there are only so many snaps to go around. Number four, need to create separation and outside linebacker. Lots of bodies, but realistically, there are only so many snaps to go around. 
Number three, what is our top three running backs? Lots of bodies, very little experience. Seems like we need an every down back as well as someone for short yardage. Number two, can we develop a backup C? Seems like we have backup a big, center. Backup center. Uh, Come on, you can do that, Don. My bad. Seems like we have a big need to develop a backup here. Will it be BD, someone else? Number one, working out working out a crowded okay defensive backfield lots of talent talented and experienced bodies so who wins out hey what do you think about uh aj Beatty going to center um so every time i comment on aj Beatty, i get in trouble because i think a family member of his is is a subscriber but um when he when he was a recruit he obviously had size i thought he was athletic I didn't think he made a whole lot of plays on defense on the, the games I watched. Maybe there's other games where he made a bunch of plays. I know that his stat line was that I, that I was given was pretty impressive, but in the games, I, I watched two of his games, full games, and I, I didn't see the playmaking. There was hardly actually any stats for me to, to count when I was doing it. So with that said, I like the idea of, of trying another position to see if that size and athleticism translates, because I think he has a home somewhere on the roster. I just didn't think it was going to be a defensive line. There you have it. Um, what what yeah. do you think? You, you know more, you have the team perspective where I have really my, my perspective kind of ends after he. Enrolled. Well, there's an issue at center because Ty Murray was the kind of the assumed backup, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not on the team anymore. So they've been having to kind of fill this role with people who weren't recruited to play center. Quarion Johnson, I think, is the backup center. And he's a walk-on who has now earned a scholarship. And is, he, really, is he on scholarship for the, no scholarship for the spring and summer? And okay. I guess they'll figure that out in the fall. Gotcha. Okay. On scholarship. But, I mean, he is one of the top seven or eight, seven or eight offensive linemen. So, um, and he's good. I mean, he's played. He started well, one game at center last year. So he's fine. But uh, and then behind him, I think it's Jonathan Adorno, who they probably like better at guard, I imagine, because he's he's a he's a big time. I think he'll be a big time lineman. They mm-hmm. probably want him out there at guard, more athletic. So it's really been an issue of um, center recruiting. Um, yeah, and Ty Murray, you know, and before him, uh, your boy Tommy Hatton, um, just some it's- issues with people staying on the team, and that's affected. I mean, who would have thought Brian Anderson? I love Brian Anderson. I don't uh-huh. know if we thought he was going to be a three or four year starter. No, I don't think so. But he's great. great I think kid, he's a great though, locker room yeah. guy. I think he's yeah. a great leader. He Love shows up and he plays and he's pretty steady. He's become he's gonna be better this year than he was last year. He was pretty good last year. Yeah, I love dealing with him as a recruit. Super nice kid. Yeah, I, me too. Uh, I mean, I, I think I scooped you for his recruitment. <laughs> I don't think so. But <laughs> go ahead, read your your go brother. Go ahead. All right, press press from Greensboro. And I know you want me to read this because they were. There's a his final line is uh, your well your brother always has something in there that's very controversial and I'd rather you say it than me. I'm not gonna read his last line. All right, five freshman progression. Oh, it's not that bad. It's not nearly as bad as All right. some of the prior ones. For anyone re- listening to this, this is Don we, making this me is read this. this is a disclaimer. If you have young, I don't think it's really n- enough for young ears t- to turn it off. <laughs> okay. But all right, if you are really really sensitive to what is this? All, uh, jokes? I don't, I don't even know. This is, it's really not that bad. I, I, I think bad. it'll be all right. Yeah. All right. Five freshman progression. Four, the battle for backup QB. Three, the running back battle. Two, injuries and hopefully lack of injuries. 
And one, how many young women will get to see a butterfly tattoo? <laughs> I don't know what that, what's that even mean. Because you had disclosed to our listeners, maybe it was the last podcast, maybe it was be- maybe it was before that last podcast, that you had gotten a butterfly tattoo in close to your no-no area. I did not say that. <laughs> you did. All right, we're moving on. Hey, we're getting in trouble. I am in this conversation I'm right just now. Saying. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to give your top five spring storylines, or you just want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, you want to talk about because I mean I threw out some stuff and it's a lot of what was said already, but yeah, well I'll just, I'll just give mine and, and if you have any questions you can ask me and then we'll wrap All this right. up. How about that? Sounds good. Okay, so I mean everything that's that I have has been said. I'll just I'll just give my thoughts. Uh, I think who produces at running back and wide receiver is I don't think it's a concern. I think it'd be interesting to see who does. I think Josh Downs is going to be the the top. You know, yard catch guy, yard guy, touchdown guy, a wide receiver behind him. I think he, I think Josh Downs showed we can do, and I, everything we've heard is he's an excellent wide receiver. He'll step right in and, and give you what what Daz Newsom gave you, and see if not more. And then Choffrey Brown, you know, he's hurt. He he he's shown he can make plays. He did last year. What's the extent and, of his injury? Because that's my that's one of my questions. Uh, he'll be you. back this summer. Okay, all right, he'll so be good to go. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, we uh, were told that a couple weeks ago. Um, apparently he's faster than Diami, but Diami was strong, had, had great hands, um, and was a great deep set for Sam Howe. So we should see what happens there, but they have guys and Bo Krause is proven. I think Antoine green has shown flashes. It's a big year for him. Um, you got some young guys like uh, Steven Gosnell. Uh, I think Emory Simmons is, is proven. So I think I'm not too worried about wide receiver. Uh, as long as they have a deep threat, that can kind of do what Diami Brown did. I mean, maybe you have two guys that combine to kind of be that deep threat. Um, I think the wide receiver group will be good because you know you have that. You know you have Josh Downs. You know you have Bo Corrales. You know you have um, Garrett Walston, who is going to be, I think, way more involved in the offense this year. I know we say that every year, but, I mean, he is this is his fifth year, um, and he will definitely be a security blanket, as I like to say. All right, running back. I mean, Ty Chandler should step in. I'm going to say this. The running back group this year, 2021, will not, not be even close to what they were in 2020 with Carter and Javante. I think the combination of Carter and Javante was kind of a, a once in a, a 10, 15 year type running back group for UNC. Both those guys are going to go in the top three rounds in the NFL draft. Um, I don't think anybody on the roster has that talent. Uh, we'll see what Ty Chandler can do. I think he's solid. Um, and then whether Caleb Hood or um, um, DJ Jones. Or even I think Josh Henderson is is kind of maybe stepped up a little bit this spring. But I just don't think we have that playmaker on the team right now that can just break off a, a 15-yard run like very regularly like um, Javante and Carter could do. Um, I feel good about the O-line. I don't, I don't think that's really a storyline. I think they're solid. I mean, whether they maybe step up a little bit, that's going to be huge to protect Sam and to protect the, and to, to open up holes for the running back. So I'm not really concerned there. I think D-line's a storyline. Like, can this group become – a elite defensive line. They have all the they have all the bodies. You know, all they have a lot more experience now. They have tons of talent. Can they kind of put it all together and really put pressure on the quarterback? Really stop the run. Um, it's a big year for guys like Vohasek, uh, uh, Tyrone, wait, Tamari, Tamari Fox. Yeah, sorry, there's like Taman, Tamari, and then Tyrone Hopper. Um, Tamari Fox. Um, I think Miles Murphy has taken a big step, and there's just guys behind them. We're talking about. K.J. Hester, Christian Varner, um, 
your boy Clyde Pender Jr. And then we're hearing great things about Keyshawn Silver and Javari Ritzy, who I think at least one of those guys is going to play, you know, 20 to 30 snaps, um, if not more. So I think all the buys are there. Just putting it together will be interesting to watch. I think linebackers are going to be solid. Um, I'm not really concerned there. I think forcing more turnovers is kind of an interesting thing to, uh, to look at. Can they kind of become a playmaking defense where they get tackles for loss regularly and turn the ball over to just really help the offense out? Um, that's something they haven't done yet. I think being a difference maker on special teams is a, is a storyline. They haven't – special teams has been average. I think it's fair to say been average since Mac Brown's come back. Not much on the return game. Um, so I'm wondering, even without Michael Carter, Daz Newsom, if they can put someone back there, they can make some plays. Um, that would be big too. Um, I think that's about it. I mean, backup quarterback is interesting, but that's more for 2022, I guess. You know, who kind of steps up to be – Sam Howell's um, successor, whether it's uh, Drake May or Jacoby Criswell, um, that's kind of the impact of the backup quarterback position. I mean, that's going to be super intriguing of where Mac Brown and Phil Longo go after Sam Howell because that determines kind of who the starter is going to be the next three or four years. Don? Yeah, along those lines, my one, I guess, storyline that wasn't mentioned was keeping the, the QBs happy. And what I mean by that is that we're in a world where, you know, if, if the QB QBs are very prone to transfer out very quickly. And yeah. so you almost, I think Drake, you know, he's a freshman, so you don't have to worry too much about him right now. And then also he's a legacy kid and all that, but obviously Cresswell, you know, you know, these guys better than I do at this point, because you're around them a lot more, you hear a lot more, but I, in generally speaking, you know, if, if the backup quarterback kind of feels that a player underneath of him could leap him on the depth chart, then that, that could prompt him to transfer, which is what you don't want to do because who knows what happens this season as far as, you know, injuries and all that sort of stuff. UNC has been fortunate that Sam Howell hasn't missed any time with injuries, yeah. but if he does, that's going to, it's going to change a lot. Yeah. I mean, so like, I mean, I think, Criswell, I think Criswell will be the backup. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't seem like Drake, unless Drake takes huge strides in the summer. Um, so then you'll have a competition next spring, and that's where it really goes down. Because at that point, Drake will have enough reps. Will he be? He'll be caught up mentally to to compete with Criswell, and then it's just who wins out. And if Drake wins, you could definitely see Jacoby transfer out. But Jacoby's a great. I mean, he's a good kid, and he's got a good head on his shoulder, so it won't be some irrational decision. But um, and we're thinking years ahead about we're predicting guys transferring. But if Jacoby wins, which is it could happen, you got a situation where you might have another competition the next year, or it could be like a midseason type situation where if one guy's not getting it done, they're gonna have some options there. It'll be interesting. And this also impacts recruiting, quarterback mm-hmm. recruiting. Um, as you know, we didn't mention the one quarterback coming to the spring game. Do you want to mention that? Um. We don't want to mention that. You could read it in the in the in the scoop. There's there a couple. Cool, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the um, oh, I I have a thought. Okay, and again, I'm not focused on this stuff. I read I read um, your and Greg's scoops from the scrimmages. I definitely don't read everything you guys post. You guys do a great job, but I just don't have the time to read it. I'll um, read everything I, you post. Whoa. Yeah, if I see some like 2023 kid. Oh man, that's, that's a heartbreaker right there. But anyway, um, my feeling, 
and I, I feel like I'm basically like a, like the fans are as far as like information. I feel like I am only outside when it comes to the team with a lot of stuff. I mean, I hear things, but anyway, my feeling is that this team is probably going to be led by the defense, mostly because you have so many starters coming back on defense. And then you have guys who were injured last year who are coming back. UNC's in situations where you have like, what is it? Three or four really good cornerbacks who have a lot of playing time, who, who at your disposal have a lot of different positions. You have an influx of, of talent also from the past two classes on defense, which I think will make the defense really good Um, on offense though. You kind of mentioned this and we talked about there's last year, the teams that beat North Carolina were able to shut down the running game, Notre Dame in particular. And so right now we don't know what that running game looks like. Exactly. We have an idea. Also, I think one of the keys to North Carolina's offense that kind of opens things up is the deep threat. And then this is not like a guarantee thing, but in games that Sam was not able to hit the the deep ball, the offense struggled a little bit. And and as you mentioned, we don't know who the deep threat is going to be. I feel like those two things are going to make the the team as a whole rely more on the defense and that that could be what determines wins and losses. Your thoughts on my am I off top? Am I off well, I mean, on that? You got a you got Sam Howe quarterback. I don't think it's gonna be led by the defense. You got the best quarterback in the nation. Okay. So I mean, in a Heisman campaign, so I think it, it's gonna be Sam Howe's show. And with I think there's like I said, plenty of wide receivers and a good offensive line that's gonna protect him. I think mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be Sam Howe's show. How many points they can put up? I think what's I think kind of heads on your point. The defense is what's gonna allow this team to win the games they wouldn't have won last year because they're going to be okay. better. You know, they're going to be improved. They have a lot, of, like you said, a lot of depth now, a lot of people players stepping up, a lot more experience. They only lost, really only lost Chad Stratt. That's it. Only lost Chad Stratt. So as long as they're healthy, Tamari Fox has missed the spring. Um, so, yeah, I think the defense is what's going to allow this team to really win the games they haven't won in the past two years. But they're going to be able to put some points up as long as that running game is, is anywhere close to where it was last year. Okay. Yeah. All right. I expect I expected a great response, hey, and I got one. Sam Howell Heisman campaign. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how, um, how realistic do you feel like that that is? I mean, there's going to be a campaign. How how realistic? You know, do you feel and like usually the, the guys who lead in the summer, the names in the summer, usually aren't the ones that win it because yes, there's some player that comes true. out of nowhere. Yeah. Last year was a perfect example with the Alabama wide receiver. Well, because what happens is that these guys get picked apart. And if they have one bad game or they don't, I mean, even Trevor Lawrence is a great example. I mean, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks that have come out in a very long time. And he just was always picked apart for every little thing, even though, you know, I don't yeah. have to go Surprise, through. Trevor Lawrence never won the Heisman. Yeah. And you have to have a team that is in the top 10, 15, yes. pretty much the whole year. Yeah. So one early loss really sets you back. You can kind of get back in it. Um, and then, you know, two losses, especially if you're out of kind of the ACC contention, then uh, you're, you're really um, down with the, with the Heisman contention. But if you have some big games and you got to pad the stats, you got to have that. Notre Dame would be a, is a great national television yeah. opportunity. Well, you, you need that Heisman moment. And there used to yeah. be this saying, I don't think it's true anymore, but there right. used to be a saying where you either you win the Heisman either by playing against Notre Dame or playing for Notre Dame. That's more probably a 90s or 80s <laughs> yeah. sort of saying. but Yeah, but this year they don't have Clemson. The biggest game – sorry, I'm dealing with some court issues here. The biggest game is the Clemson game um, – sorry, the, the Notre Dame game, and then they play Virginia Tech the first game of the season, and the Miami game will probably be pretty big too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm pumped to cover it. Um, I'd love to go to New York if they have a ceremony up there. <laughs> you think that they would send you? I mean, 
Inside Carolina is really good about sending people to stuff. They are very. I mean, good. They send you very to good. go check on like a freaking eighth grader in you know random places. Do you think it would send me to go cover a freaking Heisman? Well, most most ceremony? of my stuff is is fairly regional or at least in state. But yeah. um, yeah, I'm not going to see a you know eighth grader in South Carolina. Maybe in North Carolina. Yeah. You know. So. All right. You, that's you know that UNC offered a 2025 prospect. Good. From um. Well, he's from the he's from the from the Tidewater area, but he plays at St. Francis. Is that crazy? Cool. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Awesome stuff there, Don. Good podcast here. We always say we don't have enough to talk about, and then we just chat away for yep. hours on hours because you're my best friend. That's right. Best friends for life. All right, guys. Thanks for listening for to the Scoop. Life. Thanks for listening to the Scoop brought to you by Johnny T shirt and GiantT-shirt.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us, and we will Check you next time. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.